All right. My, I had a great day. I wish you had been with me to do the driving. Uh, 1985 and 6, I pastored that little church down in Floral City, so I went back for the 40th anniversary today. The founder was there, and uh, myself, and of course, Pastor Ledford Hodges. Ledford's just a young guy. I'm not kidding. He's not very old. His mom and dad are members there, and his daughters are just about all married off, and the third day of January... Uh, their last girl would get married, and I know they're happy about that for several reasons, but uh, <laughs> they're happy about that. I don't know if you know much about the highway patrol in Florida. They get paid by the whatever. And I'm not sure if they're getting paid right now, but they're still running the road. I saw a good number today. <laughs> I drove the old way down to Floral City, uh, I drove down 200 to the intersection of 41 and all and, and drove on down to Floral City. It was a lot of fun. It really was because some of that road I haven't taken in a while, so it was great to do it. But Highway Patrolman, you got to watch. If you've ever gone across Interstate 10, if you've been a student of Pensacola, I know you've been there. <clears throat> But the middle of the interstate is parkway. Actually, it's trees. You know what I'm talking about? And a lot of times you can't even see the traffic coming the other way for the thickness. But highway patrolmen have a tendency to back up into those trees and wait for you. And uh, this highway patrolman, he, he, he lived by the book, his wife said. But he was sitting there one day, and it was only five minutes before quitting time. He thought, you know, I think I'm just going to turn that radar off and head to the shop. And about the time he reached up for the radar, it started singing the tune. I mean, it was singing. And he looked at the radar. Whatever was coming was over 100 miles an hour. And he thought, you know, I could just go ahead and go home and let him go. <laughs> or I could play by the book and go after him. So he went after him. And when he chased him down, the guy kept going faster. He had the siren blowing, lights on, everything. And the faster the cop went, the faster the guy went in front of him. Finally, he got ahead of him, pulled him over, and he was a little bit frustrated by now because if he'd have gone home, he'd have been home. And he looked at the fellow and he said, You know, it's my quitting time. I'd just as soon let you go if you had a really good reason for going over 100 mile an hour. He said, Yeah. He said, Officer, I've got the reason. He said, well, what is it? He said, my wife ran away with a highway patrolman a month ago, and I thought you were him bringing her back. <laughs> <laughs> I think he probably just tapped on the roof of the car and said, have a good day, huh? Oh. I was born and raised a Yankee. Don't hold that against me. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my dad had a nightclub there. And when I was born, they were starting to build the Greater Pittsburgh Airport, which was near where we live. So my dad got the Horizon nightclub in that Greater Pittsburgh Airport. Now it's a new airport again, so I don't know what they did with the Horizon Room. But I was in high school, and I worked there at night and just had a lot of fun doing it. 
But my dad told me a story about a guy that he would give drinks to. They had a hideaway bar. You know what that is, don't you? How many of you know what that is? I figures, I figures. But uh, <laughs> he said this guy come in, he bought all kind of drinks. He said, what kind of trouble you got? He said, Al, I swore off drinking. I said I'd never drink again. But we won the bowling tournament. I just couldn't resist with all the guys drinking, so I drank. And he said, and when I got home, I went up that concrete porch, and I fell on the porch with a pint bottle in my back pocket. He said, I ran into the house 2 o'clock in the morning, didn't want my wife to know. And I got in that mirror with a box of Band-Aids, and I had to start bandaging bad. He said, I finished up, put my pajamas on, went to bed. When I woke up, I reached over, the bed was cold. He's good night. You think she found out? And about that time, the bedroom door burst open. She said, Harry? Excuse me. I used to call his oldest brother Jim as James Harry, so Harry James, I think. Yeah, and so we always called him Harry in school. She said, Harry, get out of that bed. And he set up. She said, were you drinking last night? He said, not me, baby. He said, now who's the drunk put the Band-Aids all over that mirror? <laughs> Can you imagine? So you're not going to be funny tonight. That's all right. Now turn with me to John chapter 3. It's the one I really want to preach this morning. And I'm just teasing. When I preach this sermon often in the Christmas season, I call it the Conversion of St. Nick. Look at verse 1, chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know. You know, that guy said something that he shouldn't have said. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. There wasn't a rabbi there believed that Jesus was of God. But he says... And that word we is an editorial we. And what he was saying is, we in the rabbinical priesthood believe that you're a man that has come from God, a teacher. For no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Boy, I'm glad that guy watched to see, don't, aren't you? Now, in verse 3, Jesus answered and he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this rabbi was strictly on a physical basis. But at the beginning of verse 3, you see the two words, verily, verily. Underline them if you would. And uh, they are only used in the Gospel of John. And John uses them every time to refer to a vital doctrine of the faith. In this one, it just happens to be the new birth. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see. He'll never have the eyes to see the kingdom of God. Verse 4. Now, those of you that are teachers in the school, you can use this for a test when school starts. Verse 4. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Punctuation. Somebody tell me. Are you reading the same Bible I am? Question mark. Don't be afraid to say, hey, we're only in church. I'm your brother. 
I'm not your rabbi. It's a question mark. How can a man be born when he's old? Question mark. Question number two. Can he? Who is he? He's the old man. Can he, that old man, enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Punctuation. Okay. This man asked Jesus two questions. Verse 5 answers question number 1. We'll have to do some work on that. And then question number 2 is answered in verse 6. And verse 7 is the conclusion. Let's look at verse 5. Verily, very, there, there it is again. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Now, the word and is what part of speech? Conjunction. You guys are slow, but it's coming. Now, conjunctions in grammar also have a mathematical equivalent. The word and is like the plus sign in math. The word but is like the minus sign. Okay, you got it. Now, this guy who's going to be born has to be born of water and of the Spirit. And if not, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, where you work, where you've been, or maybe a church you've gone to, they say that water means what? Baptism. The Camelite Doctrine in Alabama is where it started. I had to put up with it when I was there for years. And they believe that if you're going to get saved, it's through water. You know, understand what I say, move your head. I wouldn't dare ask for an amen yet. But... But you, you feel that. And a Camelite will actually fill your bathtub and baptize you there if you want to get saved that night in water baptism. But the word water here actually has three teachings. Let me give them to you, and you figure it out. The first teaching is water baptism. We totally reject that. The second teaching, M.R. Hahn, Dahan sort of propagated it, that it meant physical birth. Because a baby is in a body of water until it breaks, okay? Now, you're not wrong to say that water stands for physical birth, but it's better yet for you to understand that the water is a synonym to the Word of God. Now, next chapter. Just turn over chapter 4 and look at verse 11. <clears throat> The woman said unto him, this is Jesus now, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, that gave us the well and drank of himself and his children and his cattle? You know, every time you talk to somebody about being saved, they've got to have relatives. And that was this woman, who was a prostitute, basically. And uh, she talked about her relatives being so good. I mean, Jacob dug his well. He's my ancestor. So, verse 13, Jesus answered said unto him, Whosoever drinketh of this water, pointing to the well, will what? Thirst again. Boy, you and I know that, don't we? You ought to see me drinking on the way down to Floral City. I'm not going to tell you what, but I did. I mean, I, I couldn't eat, so I drank. 
iced tea. <laughs> All right, let's go on. Verse 14. But, there's that word again. But whosoever drinketh of the water. Now, in the Greek language, the word the, you and I pronounce usually as the, it's also a definite article when you put the emphasis on the, the water. And that's what Jesus is doing here. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water <coughs> excuse me, that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up to what? So the word water often is used as a synonym what you and I call the Bible or the Word of God. Now back to chapter 3 again. So in verse 7, now the first question was the physical, and in verse 6 he answers the spiritual, how a person is born again. You know it's interesting to me, uh, let me read verse 6 again, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is but remember now in verse 5, it says water and the Spirit. They work together, all right? Now, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Conclusion, verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye what? Not maybe, not optional, not church membership. I was raised the Wiscopalian. And when I was 12, with white underwear, white socks, white shoes, white suit, they confirmed me into the church. And all that white, my heart was still dark with sin. 12 years old. Boy, it was a religious experience. I really enjoyed it, man. I played my part with that white suit on. But I didn't get saved. Didn't get saved for years after that. So here... In verse 7, he said, don't marvel. I bet this guy was in a state of shock. Don't marvel that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Sad, isn't it, that people go to church, good people, honest people, the best neighbor you'll ever have. My neighbor to me over in Citrus Springs, he does everything. He goes shopping for me and everything. Man, I don't have to get out of the chair. So my son bought me a new chair for Christmas. <laughs> it was needed, but he bought it anyway. A lift chair. Helped me stand up. I said, thanks a lot. That's all I need. One more way not to exercise. <laughs> but it is a beautiful chair, and I commend him for doing it. It's wonderful. But we, we don't get it. Kenny is the nicest guy you ever met in your life. But I'm going to tell you, he does not have one idea. He told me the other day about being confirmed when he was 12. Isn't that sad? And here he is, 67 years old, looking back to that 12-year-old confirmation as that which should suffice for salvation. It doesn't. So the question comes, why are millions of religious people, including church members, I quoted, I think, from Christianity Today, 2% of the church probably is really saved. Now, that may not be true here at Central, 
But when you think of the overall of Marion County, it's not many, is it? But why are those millions of people not going to heaven? Because they've never been born again. You need to come to that crisis. Now, what I'm going to do to finish the message is to give you Jesus' word of how to be born again. Look at John chapter 1. Sort of sounds like this morning right there. (laughs) I hope you'll forgive me for that this morning. There's a reason I'm old, number one. Number two, my message for this morning was written on the same yellow paper as tonight's. I grabbed the wrong one. That's what Terry Lloyd's class did to me today. It confused me. I had a great time there. Look with me, if you will, to verse 10, John chapter 1. Let's start with verse 9. What a wonderful truth here. That was the true light which lighteth every man that comes into the world. But you still don't get saved by just having the true light. When I was born, man, a day as I got able to speak and go and do things, I said I believed in God. My teacher taught me the Ten Commandments. And when you learned them, she gave you a Bible marker with the Ten Commandments on it. And boy, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven right there. But it's still not enough light to be saved. It should only be enough light to know that you need to be saved. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Now, I'm going to tell you what, I'm one of five kids, but I know who mama was when I was born. (laughs) I stayed pretty close to her for a long time so I could eat. Verse 11, here we go to grammar again. Are you ready? You got your pencils ready to mark? He came unto his own, and his own received him how? Isn't that sad? Jesus preached in Capernaum. He preached where he was raised. And there wasn't one person. He even gave credit. They made fun of him. Even his own brothers made fun of him when he preached. The only audience he had were people who wanted the miracle of healing. Something in it. Sounds a little bit like today. Okay, verse 12. But as many as received him, underline the word received and put emphasis on the ED. As many as received him, to them, and you're going to get that words, those two words again, to him, them gave he, and that pronoun is babysitting for God the Father. The first pronoun we had in verse 12, received him, is the babysitter for Jesus, the Savior. Okay? You got to move your head. Again, I'm not asking for, you know. Okay. Gave he, God, the power. And that word power is not like kinetic energy. It's the authority. And only the Father has the authority to produce children in a family. I don't care what Jane Fonda says. She ought to go back to Vietnam. It's really sad. It really is. I don't have a whole lot more respect for her dad either, in case you're wondering. 
gave you the power to become the sons, plural, of God. Only the Father has the right to make you his sons, what he's saying. Even to them, we've seen those two words before, that believe, underline the word believe, and note for sure there's no E-D on the end of it. That believe on his, that's the babysitter for Jesus Christ. Now, do I have to use all the other words and read it again? I better. But as many as received him, Jesus, only to them gave he the Father power to become the sons of himself, even to them that believe on Jesus' name. Now, I asked you to underline the word received. You only do that once. The ED on the end of a word causes it to become a past completed word. It's over with. Now, I'm not going to get into a debate because I know it is not uncommon at all for the best preachers I've ever met to say to people an expression like this. They don't ask you if you receive Christ. They ask you what word? If you have what? Accepted Christ. Now, because I had to do a lot of research, I had to look that word up too. To accept something means to put your stamp of approval on it. And I'll be honest with you. Jesus doesn't need mine. I need his. So I receive him. And I've made it a practice throughout 52 years of ministry to ask people if they've received Christ. There's a difference. I have sat in the airport in Pittsburgh going through to Seattle. I sat next to a Catholic priest, opened my Bible, and immediately he noted. He said, you got a Bible? I said, yeah. I said, let me ask you a question. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Guess what he said? Sure. Well, that blew that illustration. But the experiment wasn't over. I moved down the hallway. Here's another Catholic priest sitting there. And I sat down beside him, opened my Bible. He did just what the other one did. Hey, that's a Bible, isn't it? I said, yeah. I said, let me ask you a question. Have you personally received Jesus Christ as your Savior? And that guy went into shock. He didn't know what to say. Because that's not what he commonly hears. And so... In my ministry, of, and Pat, too, it was, it was something when we first started dating. She said, you keep saying received. I said, well, I've, I've got proof for it. And I don't, I don't want to get into semantics. People can say what they want. We know what they mean. Am I right? And so here, as many as received him, give them, gave the power to come to sons of God, even to them that believe. The moment I received, past, completed, I began to believe. And I'm believing right now. Years after I say, I still believe. When I get to heaven, I'll still believe. Even though the faith will be sight, I'll still believe. Now let me go to verse 13. Which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. Uh, Let me make a statement right here about some of the comparisons of the new birth in the Bible. Physical birth only occurs once. Spiritual birth only occurs once. The birth physically makes life possible on earth. Birth spiritually 
makes life possible for heaven. The birth makes one a member of an American family. In my case, I was born in America. But it makes one a member of a family of heaven when we are born again. And the last one, this birth is not accomplished by works. The physical birth. It's not. I don't come because I want to into this world. My dad would have beat me on the head if that was true. But it's not by works that we have the new birth either. It's by the grace of God. So let's go back to verse 13. You're doing good. Now I want you to get the communion. Is that real wine? No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say we better hurry this message up. <laughs> Which were born not of blood. What is the word that we could use that says not of blood? In West Virginia, we call it what? Kinsfolk. We're not saved through our relatives. That girl at the well was a classic illustration. First thing she did was tell Jesus about relatives. We're not saved because of relatives. Number two, nor the will of the flesh. We're not saved by the works of the flesh. And number three, the will of man, that's religion. We've got that everywhere in Ocala. Have you been born again? Let's go back to verse 12, and here we go to finish. In order to have a physical birth, there must, number one, be a father. You Say amen to that. Thank you. Oh, so I'm glad to see this side back up with me again. But, okay. The father determines if there's children. But the father has an instrument that is lovingly received by the bride. And when I got saved, I became part of the bride of Christ. And out of a loving act, that night in Leesburg, Florida, Tuesday night, 11 o'clock, I trusted Christ. I became the bride to receive the Father's instrument. And His instrument was the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion. Am I right? Now, from the Father, through the instrument, flows the agent that produces eternal life. That's the Holy Spirit. The moment I was saved and received Christ, the Holy Spirit came immediately and He made me into a womb of time. I'm protected by the water of the Word. I'm in a womb of time right now. But one day, one day, I will be birthed into heaven. Can you understand that? Now look, we know enough about barnyard talk to know what it takes to produce children. But the key is a loving relationship of the wife or the bride. That's the key. Did you, out of a loving relationship, receive God's Son into your life? If you did, the Holy Spirit sealed that with the earnest of the expectation that Jesus is coming back again. And we'll be reunited with the husband. Let's pray together.